Hey, what up, everybody? My name is John Walker, a.k.a. Jaywalk. I am a USC alumni, retired NFL veteran, currently killing the real estate game here in Southern California. If you want to hear about how you can level up in life and have an unlimited mindset, please give my bro a listen on the People's Coach Podcast with my brother, Angelo Lilac. You got to tune in, give him a follow, give him a listen, and we will plug in talking to you about that real real you're thinking that's ah, too late for change you're already established and life is good but it's definitely not great welcome to the people's coach your guide to living with more purpose and fulfillment this is how life optimization should be brought to you by our host angelo lilac What's going on, everybody? Welcome to The People's Coach. I'm Angelo. I'm your host. And before we get things started, make sure that you're following us on iTunes. If you haven't already, please leave us a rating and review and help us grow this movement. If you want more information, you can visit me at angelolilock.com. Welcome to the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The People's Coach Podcast. I want to jump right into this because I have one of my very best friends, one of my brothers in Christ, one of my brothers in life, Mr. John Walker. He's an NFL veteran. He's an entrepreneur. And right now, he is dominating and he's killing the real estate game in California. I'm excited to have him here because he brings so much knowledge, so much experience. And when you listen to him speak, you just hear the pureness and love coming out of this man's heart. And uh, you take a look at him, you wouldn't imagine someone who speaks so eloquently, you wouldn't think like that dude was a stud in the NFL. You know, like this guy just carries himself in a different manner and I'm excited to bring him here. So Jaywalk, how you doing, bro? Man, you, you guys hear that? He was, ooh, he was blowing that smoke. Oh, man. Look, let me tell you something. As you can uh, yeah. tell, as you can tell, I'm a melanated man, right? I got a little, I got a little color on me, right? <laughs> if you ever want to see a dark skinned uh. dude blush, <laughs> it's when we show both rows of teeth, like. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, he had yes. to blush it, man. Come on, bro. Come on. No, man. You know I mean what? it, man. I mean it, and it's, I it's not. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It's not like. You know, I didn't mean anything, obviously, like derogatory when I was like, oh, someone from the NFL speaking no, like, so highly. That, obviously, you know who I, you know, our relationship. But when I first met you, you were so, like I said, eloquent with your speech that I'm like, this dude's like, this, I was like, this guy's definitely like a college professor or something. But like, he also <laughs> looks like the way you were built, bro. Like, I was like, this guy, this guy definitely played sports. Like, right. I was like, can you play sports and teach in college i don't know man this guy must be it but that one of the things i admire you admire about you the most is your ability to express yourself and communicate your thoughts and in honestly man i've been around a lot of high performing people you do it with such grace i can't i yeah i just i can't like people are probably like man he's just gassing him up but you listen to this podcast you're gonna hear 
how Jaywalk speaks. So Jaywalk, talk, talk a little bit about, you know, your background. I mentioned you're in the NFL or you played in the NFL. You had a very successful collegiate career and there's so many things we can go into, but I want to give people a chance to hear about you and your story. Absolutely. Well, man, first and foremost, I appreciate you having me. You know, anytime I get to fellowship with you, Angelo, affectionately, I call you Jello. Uh, anytime, <laughs> yeah. anytime I get to hang out with you, Jello, it's it's just something I really greatly look forward to. I was excited all weekend leading up to this podcast. I'm excited to be in the presence of your wonderful viewers and listeners, and uh, I'm I'm, I'm mm -hmm. completely honored. So, Thank uh, you. Thank brief you. background: grew up in the South Side of Chicago, right where you're what? from. Currently, <laughs> currently living in beautiful, sunny Southern California, uh, Orange County to be exact. It's about 80 degrees right now on a Monday, uh, Monday morning. So it's a little spicy out here. You know, I got my roots in the Midwest. The Midwest is what helped teach me about brotherhood and camaraderie and hard work. And essentially, I got like Midwest toughness with a little West Coast swag, right? Mm. And so I try to blend those two things because out here, it's just so diverse here in California. So mm. I had to take the kind of gritty blue collar approach to life and blend it with this. You have to be very flexible to maneuver out here because there are threats at every turn where I live. Mm in Chicago and I adapted to those threats early. But when I moved out here, it's a different type of culture, particularly where I was in Los Angeles, Los Angeles County, the San Fernando Valley. It gets popping out there, not in the best way. So yeah. <clears throat> adaptability was probably the most pivotal attribute to develop, which is where my passion for learning how to effectively communicate became an ever-present survival technique. It mm. was it was the police coming after you, the the people that wore red, the people that wore blue. And for those of you who may not understand what that is, there was there was a huge gang culture when I moved to California in the late late 90s, early 2000s. It was kind of like the middle to tail end of the gangster rap era. And that was a dangerous time to be a young person of color because mm. you were targeted by everyone, targeted by the people of law enforcement, targeted by the people who thought you were affiliated in a gang way. So I took an early passion to understanding how to become an effective communicator and a critical thinker. So you're and saying that was intentional, like to you, like you were intentional completely. about completely improving your communication skills. 100 percent to be to be honest i had a slight speech impediment growing up and to this day it still presents itself in my mind but there's always about two heartbeats per sound that comes out of my mouth i try to take at least two ticks to make sure that my thoughts are aligned before they come out because the bible says the power of life and death lives in the tongue you can speak yourself into existence and you can speak yourself into death. And so the Bible also says that the tongue is a double-edged sword. A double-edged sword could also kill me if not aimed correctly. You know, you can jab it at someone, but the blade is also aiming at you if you don't aim true. And so mm. uh, 
interestingly, communications was a major part of my life. And I'm very grateful to have taken the time to understand how to properly articulate myself to the best of my ability and convey who I am as a as a man, as a as a person of color. I just never wanted to be perceived as that, you know, thug, ghetto, ignorant, whatever they want to say I could be. Right. All right, y'all. So y'all are listening right now and they're probably like, what? Like this dude just, you painted a great picture. And at the same time, I want to, I want to hit on something that you mentioned earlier. And, and one of the reasons I believe you and I became so close so quickly was our passion for, for faith was our foundation of faith. So in a moment, I definitely want to touch on that. But before we go into that, I, I want to also go back into your environment how difficult or how challenging was that to go from chicago because you and i both know how chicago gets and you know you you and i both understand how that on the on the west coast it gets wild out there as well how did you manage to stay out of that trouble when like literally everyone says you're a product of your environment how were you able to change that for you so i will say this you you are a product of your environment. I mean, mm-hmm. that's where you get your earliest concepts and perspectives of what life is, what life should be, and what life can be. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, in the environment that I was in, I lived in the Cabrini Greens before they were demolished. And I'm I'm so glad that they were demolished because that was a urban war zone. It was an urban oh, yeah. jungle. And if anybody knows anything about the Cabrini Greens in the south side of Chicago, I drew I grew up near 113th and Carpenter, a f- commonly known in the gang environment as the Wild Hundreds. Any streets that start with 100 and goes all the way to the 200s, dangerous. It's legitimately the murder capital of the world and has been for nearly two decades. The murder capital of the world, not Iraq, not these places that we would think horrible, horrible things happen. A small city in Southside Chicago is the murder capital of the world, okay? Mm-hmm. There were summers where there was close to 30 plus deaths a day, murders, right? So I'm not saying that I'm a victim of that environment. What I'm saying is it helped me understand certain survival instincts. You had to you had to keep your chin down and your eyes up, right? But at the same time, I think and I attribute most of my athleticism to being groomed, nurtured, and cultivated in that type of a place. Because you better learn how to run fast and you better know how to zig when you're supposed to zag. <laughs> mm, yep. And so athletics for me, it all stemmed from running away from stuff running away from the threats, the violence, and the issues that were just commonly available to feast on to a young, impressionable mind. And I knew early on that I just did not want to be perceived as a bad person, you know? And I thank God for that because that's a combination of love for my family, my mother, my father, um, having siblings who made mistakes and were able to kind of say, hey, steer clear of that. But the, but the truth of the matter is, is yeah, I, 
Chicago was rough. And before I was nine, I think I was, this could sound like an exaggeration, but I don't, I don't have to exaggerate this. I think I was in over 50 to 60 fist fights before I was eight. And that is just how it was. It, you just had to scrap. And if you didn't, yeah, you'd be face down in a ditch somewhere. Mm. So it was a, it was like a survival for you. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. And how did you, why did you choose football or how did, I mean, how did, how does football play into this? So I was five years old. My father was a military guy, so he wasn't around as much as our, we needed him to be clearly. Right. Um, my mom did the best she could. She worked three jobs just to support us. And, you know, little did I know how challenging it was. I, I didn't know that I lived in a bad neighborhood. I didn't know that. Mm. I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know much right. about any person that wasn't black, to be honest, because my entire community was black. And so football was just something that you can do that didn't require many resources. You could grab a ball and you can toss it up in the air. You can grab a ball. It was always available, right? You, mm. you could play football by yourself if you wanted to. <clears throat> and most of the time I was either by myself or with at least one kid that, that could throw the ball. So I kind of just developed the aptitude for that sport just because it was inexpensive to try, right? Now, my father was a military guy. He, he came from overseas. I believe he was stationed in Germany for a while. He came mm -hmm. home and he said, hey, son, let's go to the store. I think it was Kmart. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was Kmart. And he takes me down the sporting good aisle. And my dad's this big old guy. He's six foot eight, about 230 pounds, 240 pounds, really fit. Big boy. Big, big guy. Played a semi-pro basketball overseas, just but has the heart of gold. Like my, my, my dad had a big heart, and so did my mom. Mm -hmm. um, he says, son pick a ball, any ball. And I'm like, what? I get to pick any ball? So I'm going down this sporting good aisle. I grab a baseball mitt and I'm, I try it on. I'm like, ah, oh, I could use one of these. You know, I grab a volleyball. Nah, I grab a okay. basketball and I'm like, I could use one of these, but all my friends got basketballs. I need a ball that none of us have. Right. So I put the basketball down and there was this little football. It was called a vortex. It's a little Nerf football, had a tail on it, and it had a whistle. And it was tiny enough for my hand. And when you throw this ball, it, it, it whistles, right? You could throw it really far. So I grabbed this ball, and I say, Dad, this. And he goes, nah, son, grab the basketball. We play basketball in our family. <laughs> I was like, nah, Dad, I want this. And it was just about a, a week or two before that, I saw a clip of Jerry Rice. Oh, and he was playing for the San Francisco 49ers and Joe Montana threw this ball and it was flying down the field. And I see this guy, number 80, and he catches the ball. And the commercial was Rice Aroni, the San Francisco <laughs> treat, right? And it just embedded in my spirit and embedded in me. And I was like, I want to be like that. Mm. So I grabbed the football. Dad says, no, 
get the basketball. I said, Pops, you said I could choose anything. I'm five years old. So he wow. looked at me. He said, you want the football? I said, I want to be like Jerry Rice. He said, okay. He put his hand on top of my head, big hand, smashed my head, grabbed his long index fingers like this long and <laughs> pushed it into my heart as hard as he could, Jello. And he hit me like five or six times and it hurt. Meanwhile, he's putting this heavy pressure on my head. So just visualize the heaviness of his hand pressing down on me and jabbing me into my heart. And he says, son, you're going pro. He said, do you hear me? And I said, I said, yes, sir. And he said, I'm telling you. And then he reiterated it, and I'm gonna use an explicitive. He said, "Lil N word, <laughs> you going pro? You got to get us the out of here." I said, "Okay, Dad." He said, "Put the ball in the cart." So I put the ball in the cart, and he said, "Also grab the basketball." He threw the basketball in there, and later that day, my dad pretty much taught me how to catch. That moment was a massive call to action in my life. It was the first person in my life who spoke anything of that nature into my awareness. My own father planted a seed that I continue to water and nurture for the rest of my life. And every moment that I had the awareness and every opportunity I could to transform myself into what I perceived the pro was, I worked towards that. So I had to learn what, what is a pro? What do pros do? They eat well, they take care of their body, they do well in school, they treat others with respect and kindness. They do things at a high level, they don't make excuses, they try their best, they operate with integrity and they do, but above all, they have to get interviewed and they have to speak to the public and they have to play well. I could do those things. So I grabbed this little X-Men figure, it was a Wolverine, he had a three claws, the Wolverine, and a, a Nightcrawler action figure from X-Men. And I looked yeah. at their body, and I saw their muscles. And I said, I got to look like that. So I started to train and do little push-ups in my room. And I modeled myself after Jerry Rice, Wolverine, Nightcrawler, <laughs> and the X-Men, and then Donatello from the Ninja Turtles because Ooh. it's just <laughs> So I made those guys my role models. And to me, Jerry Rice was Spider-Man because anything that came his way stuck to him. And that's how I built my life after, at that point. And I, you know, God was, was with me and I was able to reach the level of becoming a pro eventually. So I'm, I'm glad you made the Ninja Turtle reference because like those guys have been a huge part of my life outside of my love for pizza. My wife knows. She's <laughs> <laughs> Carlene's always like, why do you love pizza so much? And I, I'm like chowing down a pizza. I'm like, you know what, baby? I don't know. And I'm like, you know, I think it was the Ninja Turtles. And she's like, I think so too. You know, cowabunga, right? 100%. 100%. Oh, man. There's so many things to unpack there, man. And and I really appreciate you sharing that that part of uh, your story. I mean, I mean, I imagine you've probably only shared that a handful of times because yeah, how many times do you really go back and, and reminisce on these big moments when no. your father made that impact and set you on this path? And you said you were five years old when he gave you this 
hand on the head, pounding on your heart speech, right? Five years old. Five years old. Wow. And if you can go, if you can go back in the time, like what were, what were you kind of feeling at five years old? And you're kind of getting this speech, and you know, I'm sure your, your dad's like telling you you're gonna go pro, and you're trying to figure out what what's a pro, what is pro? How? I just, you know, to be honest, it was as simple as having the faith and naivete of a baby. I just said okay. Mm. I was like okay. I didn't know anything otherwise because most most things that my dad and my mom told me always came true. It was as simple as not having any other noise or voice in my head to say otherwise. It was just making a conscious decision to say, okay. <laughs> it's like, hey, you better do your chores or else. Okay, I don't want the or else, so I'm gonna do my chores. Hey, you better become pro or in my, in my head or else. Okay, I don't want the or else, so I'm gonna work hard to become pro. Now, little did I know that becoming pro was going to be another 20 plus year, if that, you know, not, not 20, but 18 year journey of making great decision after great decision, overcoming obstacle, obstacle after obstacle, hurdle after hurdle. And there would be multiple, multiple life-changing tests. Some I failed, some I was able to walk through and some God just led me through because there was no possible way in my own strength and my own merit that I survived those moments without the grace of my heavenly father, not taking any of those for granted because from the moment that I got my scholarship offer to USC, which I love your shirt fight on. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. You boy, know, I got to represent for you, bro. Let's go. Let's go. Where are my, <laughs> my national championship rings now? <laughs> uh. <laughs> I heard these jokers. Oh, that's funny, so, man. So what it what it was was I realized that I started from nothing. So I wasn't gonna stop for nothing. Mm. To come from the dirt and understand how many things I chose to sacrifice in order to keep the pro dream. It gave me so much purpose and direction and it helped me make decisions when there was outside influences pulling my heartstrings another direction. Mm. But the pursuit of the pro kept me on the path and which is why my name is John Walker Pro on IG. Not too many people know that, but that pro it stands for many things, professional, promoter, proponent of good. The pro is the first three words in prosper. The pro is the first three words in promise. There's so many fundamentally powerful things that we should connect with that begin with P-R-O. And I wanna be productive. I want to produce. I wanna be proactive, right? I want to be someone that's a bit provocative and make you look at me, look at me because I have something to say. And if you open up your heart just enough to realize I'm not who you thought I was, but the things that I have to say, hopefully can just give you a little bit of insight into what an overcomer looks like. Man, I do. You're spinning some truth right now. And I love that. So, 
there's a there's like a a deep question that I want to ask you, and this is just because we're naturally just going with this conversational flow, and I, I this is how I love to do the podcast. How important do you think it was for you in your journey to have that childlike faith and just listen to your dad? Just okay. Because I, you know how many people, you and I have had conversations like this in the past where we talk about why people don't succeed, why people never take the risk, why people never achieve greatness because they let others' opinions bog them down. They let other people's limitations implement their thoughts, their actions. And you at five years old, you said it earlier, you were just kind of naive and just like, okay, but what if what if you were six and then you had a whole year pass by where friends and people were telling that's not possible john you can't do that john how important is that moving forward um and and how else did that whole idea of this childlike faith um pop up in in your life later on in your career great question <clears throat> so that's a that's a little bit to unpack there a little bit a little bit but you you got so this here here's where here's where it comes down to you're going to have to believe something in your life. Mm. We all have the stories that we tell ourselves and the stories that other people want us to fall in line with. And that's the truth. Um, I think that that was probably the most, the single most prolific and important thing that my dad did do for me in the, early developmental stages of my mind where I was just mature enough to understand that call to action and that potential. But I was also just, I was just shy of having so much life experience where doubt became an ever present force in my life. So mm. I was in that, I was in the in-between and that's where we need to really plant seeds in our babies and nurture them. Why not your voice be the first voice of hope and inspiration and encouragement and fortification to them early, as opposed to letting television, media, their friends, issues in society dictate the, the type of human they're supposed to be or what is realistic. So it was so important and Unbeknownst to me, my dad set a course of action that put me on a path to really break down generational curses in my family. And, and if that was the only thing he did, and, and again, he wasn't around as much as I loved him to be. It was my mom that was in the trenches. Moms was the one, you know, being a queen and raising up a young, a young prince trying to get this guy to live another day, living my life one breath, one step at a time. And where I'm from, every single breath is a blessing. And I understand now why my name is what it is with a J-O-H-N. And my mom says she named me after my father, whose name was John, and his father was John, and their uncle was John. And essentially, there's about five or six Johns in our family, but my direct blood line is I'm the third, right? But the 
when it comes back to the origin of why that name is so important, that H is so important in J-O-H-N, it represents the breath of Christ. And so if I'm living my life with the breath of Christ in me, that means I've, I've got to walk a certain path with dynamic faith and strength. And um, that was the thing my dad did for me. He, he planted a seed early and nurtured it just enough, but it was my mom who watered it. And me feeling obligated to her throughout life kept me out of trouble, kept me, kept me on a path that led to things that gave us an opportunity. But I'm gonna encourage you all, y'all better talk to your babies. Don't tell them what they can't do. Teach them about their potential before the world does. Teach them about the hopes that they can latch onto before they listen to a music that teaches them otherwise, or before mm -hmm. they watch a Netflix series or YouTube video or something silly that they have access to that we did not have to compete with at our age. You got to get them and pour into them right now. You have to speak that love into our young people. And they can do really amazing things because a person like me, without that, I, I just would have gone with the wind. I would have done everything that my environment presented to me because I was trying to figure it out. But early on, I had, a, again, I set a plan in motion and I continued to reinforce that choice with my decisions to the best of my ability. Yes, I messed up a lot. Yes, I got my behind in trouble a lot, but when it came down to it, I believed that I had a I had a purpose in my life, so I chose to walk with that purpose, and I prayed that it would help me collide with my destiny. If you walk with purpose, you will collide with your destiny. I don't know if that answered the question. <laughs> Man, just, I, you that was better than whatever. I forgot what the question was. I'm just <laughs> listening to you, man. I love that. Mm. So it's very clear that faith is a big portion of your life and why you do what you do. So were you like that in college? Were you I try, like- I tried to be. Yeah? I, I was a social outcast. I'm a peculiar guy. I have eccentric taste. I'm, I'm very, uh, to be honest, I'm just one of the most bizarre people I believe you could ever meet because my, my music playlist will have country, gospel, hip hop, reggae, classical, jazz, all song after song after song. And it's, it's just because I think that there are so many things that is amazing and wonderful about life if you free your mind from believing that you're just one type of thing. Mm. And, and so when I was in college, I did not have a group to fit into. USC was hard for me. I will be honest. I was, I recently admitted this to a couple of friends of mine who said they had no idea, but I struggled through massive amounts of depression in college. I struggled through what I thought was, was an identity crisis and extreme low self-esteem because I wasn't getting the levels of validation that I believed I was supposed to get at that kind of early ad adult developmental stage of my life, that, that 18, 19, 20, my teammates and I just didn't vibe a lot. And it wasn't because they were bad or evil. It wasn't because I was above it or 
bad or evil or doing bad things. The truth of the matter was, is I tried to live my life in a way that I believe honored Christ. So I didn't smoke, I didn't drink, and I partied very minimally, just enough to keep a, a level of social uh, activity that didn't make me go crazy, right? right? But I took 22 units a semester in college. I, oh. I, I double majored at USC. So, you know, I studied communications, which at the time you had to have a 3.2, I believe you had to have a 3.0 or 3.2 grade point average. Mm-hmm. to keep that that major and then i studied kinesiology and exercise science which was also another extremely taxing major so both of my majors kept me in class all the time so being in class and doing assignments you're not out socially you're not out when the team has a get together or a function you're not with the mm-hmm. team when they're having parties and get together i'm literally cramming because i'm in pursuit of proness I'm trying to become a pro. And I believe, number one, I'm gonna to have to have a proper grasp for grammar and enunciation and understand how to communicate with people, which is why I studied communications. Mm. My emphasis was gender and ethnic relations. That was my major. Communications, gender and ethnic relations. Why? Because I wanna know what makes other people tick. I wanna know if there's anyone as weird as me out there. Okay, but because of that, and being eclectic, I didn't have a group that I fit into. So my teammates, we didn't have much of a bond outside of practice, outside of the locker room, outside of the field. And guys were like, Jay, well, you weird, bro. I'm like, I know, <laughs> I can't really, really help it. Oh man, I felt so much like an outcast. I felt now, do you think, do you think that translated on the field at all? Like, did that affect your level it, of play or their level did. of play? It did, okay. it, it left me, it left me over critical and slightly hesitant. I wasn't free because mm. I didn't have the social support of a lot of my teammates to, to say, bro, you got that J. Like when I messed up on the field and everyone does, I felt on an island, I was alone. There wasn't much encouragement. There was some core guys who were like, Jaywalk, we see who you really are. We know what you're about. But because I wasn't so heavily connected to them outside of the locker room, it was hard to have a real bond and get that social support from your boys and coaches see that and they go, this guy just doesn't have the right chemistry for the core group of guys we have. Again, I played at USC during our national title tenures under coach Pete Carroll's leadership where we were the official football team of LA. There was no professional team at the time. So USC during the Reggie Bush, Matt Liner, Troy Palomalu, Carson Palmer, Lindell White, Mike Williams, Kerry Covert, where we was just the dogs. We were the number one team in the nation for dang near three years. And we won two back-to-back national championships. Like that was the show. The celebrities that showed up to our practices, Snoop, Dre, um, Spike Lee, legends joe montana like i'm talking legends will come to our practices um the socialites the kardashians and the paris hiltons of the world chilling Mm -hmm. on the sideline watching us play and practice that's what type of environment we were in and uh to feel alone in that was a struggle so i oh i'm sorry go ahead no go ahead brother go ahead go ahead I had to lock down on that initial goal of becoming a pro regardless. 
regardless of how I'm perceived in my social environment, I have to finish what I've started. And so, yeah, I got two degrees at USC, which is quite an accomplishment. I carried a 3.7 grade point average and ultimately got to live my dream of not just winning national championships, but two of them, right? Mm -hmm. and, and then I realized my ultimate dream of becoming a professional football player in 2006 when I was selected by the Houston Texans to, to play for their organization. Mm. So were you, it sounds like you're very focused in college, right? You knew your lane, right? You knew like, hey, I'm a little bit different. Like in your words, you're a little bit eclectic, right? You did your thing, no problem. Still won two championships, great. Now all these other people showing up, these celebrities, these famous people, influencers, all this stuff, did that bother you at all? Or was that just kind of like, okay, no, that's just, I need to focus on the goal. That's, that's cool, but no. To be honest, I felt like I was one of them. I, I felt mm. like I was, I felt like I was a star that was, uh, that just hadn't reached this bright potential yet. Ah. And I think that was a big conflict for a lot of my, my friends because they're like, jaywalk like you act like you're so much better than you actually are and and i was just being the light that i wanted to see in my life i was trying my best to be that light and and support myself in the way that i believe i wish that my coaches would i wish that most of my teammates would have not judged me for um, the attempts on trying to be excellent instead no. oh go ahead I was, I, I just, I lo I'm like painting this picture in my mind and I, what exactly, if you can give an example of what exactly do you mean? Like, what were you doing or what were you saying or how were you I carrying yourself? I was always hyped. I was, like, <laughs> so, so I, I went five years at USC. I redshirted my first year. I didn't start until my senior year. I didn't become a, a primary contributor until my senior year. So imagine essentially riding the bench for four years in college, always being a guy where people go athletically. That dude is probably the most gifted athlete on our team overall. And I don't know if anybody could argue that, but my numbers and my intangibles athletically put me in what would be coined as the 95th percentile in terms of combine testing and NFL mm -hmm. attributes size, height, speed, strength, drill for drill, stat for stat. But they were like, why don't you get enough playing time? For whatever reason, I didn't make many mental mistakes. But when I did, coaches came down on me exponentially harder than what we would see from an average player. Mm. Uh, when I did well on the field and made great and stellar plays that I saw coaches uplift guys and highlight them for, mine were like, you should do that look at you. You're a freak. You should have been doing that. Like it was never, it felt like it was never quite good enough. Now, whether that was the reality or not, it was my perception because mm -hmm. they might've been treating me the same as they treated everyone else. But in my head, I told myself a story that I wasn't appreciated. My teammates didn't like me. My teammates didn't respect me. That might not have been true at all, bro. But it was mm. the story that I latched on to because at that time, I just needed a little more nurturing from some area and I just, I couldn't find it. And who knows if I'm right or not, 
but I know that I wore my uniform in a certain way and I got teased. I wore wristbands that looked like three stripes and I got teased for it. They're like, bro, you look like a candy cane. You look stupid. You're never going to play. Like, that's, that's just the reality. There's so much hazing going on. And the fact that I didn't have like a huge support group that I hung out with, it was like, you get those ridicules and you just got to deal with them. But they didn't know that my, my grandmother was hard of, of sight and she's in Chicago. So she would try to watch the games and she couldn't find me on the field. So I said, granny, look for the three stripes. You'll see me, right? So I did everything for a reason. But in their mind, I was just being extra, okay? Now I see kids wear their uniform and it's crazy. They wear whatever they want to wear. And they're like, dude, this dude got swag. He got drip. At yeah. that time, when I was doing it, they're like, you're doing too much. So I yeah. think I was a slightly, just a bit ahead of my time. Yeah, and, yeah. And it just wasn't well received culturally, especially because I just wasn't that guy. I wasn't that guy on the team. But at the end of my senior year, when I finally got a chance to compete, I went bananas. I did very well. I, can't, I finished that senior year being like the 17th ranked defensive back or something in my position in the nation going into NFL recruitment. And so I realized right then the, the validation that I needed was just it. It was there at all times. I just was not in a clear mindset to actually receive the great things that were given to me. And there were gifts given to me the whole time. But my mm -hmm. perspective was nobody cares about me. I swear to you, that's how I felt. Nobody appreciates me. Nobody cares about me. I'm stuck at this amazing school that I'm underappreciated at, right? And that, I don't think that was a real story at all. Now that I'm more I'm mature, I understand more. I think that I was so busy holding on to something that I thought should have been a certain way because I, I visualized it in a way. It wasn't happening that exact way. So I was so busy holding on to that vision that I had that I didn't have enough room to receive the things that were being given to me, the gifts mm -hmm. that God were, were, was providing for me. And so I underappreciated my entire college experience, didn't create the lifelong bonds that I really needed with a lot of my teammates. I didn't create the lifelong experiences that I could have manifested while I was in college. But yes, I got my degree, graduated with great honors, did my thing, went on to live my life and became a pro athlete. And it's now that I'm 15 something past years removed. I don't even know. I'm 37 now, about to be 38. Now I'm creating and kindling, rekindling those relationships with teammates. And guys are calling me like, Jaywalk, man, you know, we loved you in college. Like the story that I told myself was not the reality. Mm, 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 I, sab mm. I sabotaged my whole college career, man, by just thinking something that wasn't true and believing it and putting my life on it, that this is what it was. And we talked about this before too, right? How many people get into that trap of this whole perception is reality? right? Like perception is reality, how you perceive things that and here's the thing, you're, you may have a different perception versus my perception. Neither of us is wrong, because my perception is my reality. And your perception is your reality. So who am I to go into your world and tell you that you're wrong or you to go into mine and tell me that I'm wrong? Because I've been telling my story this in my mind, <laughs> over and over and over on repeat. 
and I'm going to hear one voice that says otherwise and believe you like it, that's not how it is. No, you're absolutely right. I love that, man. I, I, that's so I, I'm really glad you shared that because the people that are going to be able to watch this and listen to this are, I'm sure now are questioning their realities today. The perceptions that my boss doesn't like me. My business is going downhill. I'm not a good leader. I'm not a good dad. I'm not a good husband. I'm not this, this, and that. Mm. Mm. That is your perception limiting your own beliefs. 100%. I, so many times I've, I've, I've worked with clients and I see this thing where this, these perceptions are just created by the stories we tell ourselves. And they're dangerous sometimes. Yes. I mean, very dangerous. So here's my advice. Never say or think something about yourself or someone you love that you don't want to be true. Make that a rule of life. Never think or say something about yourself or someone that you care about that you don't want to be true. Because what I've learned is the law of attraction is one of the most fundamentally real and legitimate circumstances of life. What you think manifests into reality. You create your own universe. You really do. Mm, amen. And at amen. that time, I thought I was undervalued. I thought I was underappreciated. Me, me, me. <laughs> sob story after sob story in my mind. Meanwhile, outside, I'm competing at the highest possible level that I thought I could. Imagine how much freedom I would have had believing mm -hmm. the fullness of the, the prophecy that I think my dad poured into my life. You're going pro me accepting those terms, walking all those choices of staying out of game, stand, making sure I didn't have crazy kids running around, making sure I didn't drink or smoke, do drugs, get caught up in the, the traps that were so available for me in abundance in my adolescence before I committed to college then getting into college and making sure that I disciplined myself to go to school, then earning the respect of my teammates and all the, all the things that I had to go through that, whatever, that were, those are my choices, right? Imagine if I would have just done them with the freedom of believing that I'm supposed to be there. Everything is happening the right way because of me, for me, because I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And I manifested mm. this from the time I was five and created this reality for myself. Imagine if I had the awareness then to just realize that everything, like Bob Marley says, everything is gonna be all right. Don't worry about a thing. Everything is going to be all right. But instead I was in panic mode and I wasn't pulling my future into my present. I was reacting and responding to the feelings and the emotions of what I was going through. Bad days were really bad to the point where I reached depression, to the point where I will dare say I have many suicidal thoughts, mm. many thoughts of worthlessness. Imagine me, a person that has as many gifts and as much love as I can give, feeling worthless. What a compulsive liar I was. What a, what a narcissistic, self-pity promoting, pacifying, sucking, baby back, B-I-T-C-H, 
that was the weakness inside of me becoming stronger and stronger by the limiting thoughts that I believed and created in my own life. I created every level of sabotage in my life. And it took a powerful woman like my wife to help me understand who I really was as a man, as a husband, as a father. And my wife, Tara Walker, she has saved my life multiple times. And I met her my senior year in college. We were married. I was married at 22. She was 21, my rookie year in the NFL. Matter of fact, we got married on the 50 yard line of Texas mm -hmm. Stadium. And she has been my rock from that moment on and helped me overcome some of these ridiculous traps that I've set for myself. And uh, she pulled me out of the quicksand. That's now, now, I, now I feel unlimited. I feel That's unlimited. Beautiful. And you guys got to find someone who you can make an agreement within life to hold each other accountable. Mm. No matter what your preferences are, what type of person you want, you want to be with, or for me, it was my wife, but mm -hmm. you just got to find someone, an accountability partner in life that helps you make honorable decisions that lead to fruitful things in your life. You have to, because no one can do this alone. That's why God or Jesus sent the disciples out in groups of two. No one was to be alone because it's where you're alone. You start to get trapped in your thoughts and the pitfalls are there. It's no good. You're, you're seduced by the, the traps of this world. And you're right, man. When you have that support system, like, you know, like we were talking about earlier, I've, I haven't met Tara in person, but I've obviously said hi, seen her through passing and stuff. She's you, you've got a beautiful family. Thank you. And I could see the love that is just emulating from you from them every time I see your Instagram. And it's like that a lot of people that's what a lot of people want. They just want to be happy. They want a fam. They want to love and they want to be they want to love and they want to be loved. That's so true. It, it's a it's a basic human need. Love and connection is something we all want at, at, in some different variations, a little bit more than others, right? That's right. But one of the things that I think I mentioned this in the beginning of the podcast, and I want to respect your time because this is fire, man. You def okay, for <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> we, take a, we've been going for a while, haven't we? We do. We this is just a normal conversation between Jaywalk and I, and I literally told him like right before we started recording, I'm like these podcasts that i do with you and anybody else is meant to be i want the audience or the watcher the listener i want the audience to feel like they're just a fly in the wall or they're they are in the third seat and they're able to watch and listen to conversations like these are the type of conversations we need to have it's one of the reasons why jaywalk and i like i consider this man my brother i i have so much love and trust for this man um bye not, not trying to be emotional, man. I'm like, come on, we got a lot of we got a lot of strong people listening to this right now. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm cool, I'm good. You are good. But <laughs> but Jaywalk is one of the people that um, he he's one of, he is one of the first people I call when I am in distress. When I um, you know my family and I went through some crazy stuff last year, and Jaywalk was one of the first people I had to just call and just. 
I, I, I didn't know what I wanted. It's not, I mean, maybe I wanted to cry. Maybe I, I need to get stuff off my chest. Maybe I needed a perspective. I don't know, but we all need that, that person in our life that is, is there to listen. And here's the thing. You have to be very intentional about the people you pick, the people that you listen to, because some people are going to give you ill-advised coaching, ill-advised directions. You got to make sure that the people that you're talking to and the people that you're confiding your secrets in, you know their heart. You know the quality of person they are because if they're a quality person, the words that are going to come out of their mouth are going to be quality. So this energy, this vibe thing, it's real. As foo-foo as it sounds, Jaywalk was one of those dudes that when we first got on a phone, it was just like fireworks. Because we clicked, like, effortlessly. Like, how many times were we like, well, I was like, what, you're from Chicago? He's like, you too? And then we're like, yo, you still, remember we're like, hey, you still got you still got a Yahoo account? Me too. <laughs> Don't be laughing at my Yahoo account. No, dude, I, that, I was laughing. I was like, you still have one too? And then he's like, dude, I just got an iPhone. I was like, me too. I just got... <laughs> Oh my gosh! Uh, I, don't, I don't care if y'all think we corny. We're we're brothers. We're happy. <laughs> and we're singing and we're colored. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> Give me a high five there. Yeah. Oh. oh my god! If gosh. you guys know that show, if you guys know that show, comment, send an email. The first one gets. Only a few people will know that show, and I want to see who knows what that show, where that show is from. This is hilarious. <laughs> But Jay, brother, I, you know what, we, I didn't even get to go, we didn't get even get to go into too much of your pro stuff, your, into the NFL, because there's so much insight that you and I have had conversations in the past. So, for sure, I mean, you're coming back for a second episode. I mean, that's... As many episodes as you need, brother. I mean, shoot, we might just make you like a freaking, you know, co-host at one point, man. <laughs> like, this is some good stuff, man. We might but, be able to get jiggy with it. Yeah, you know, you know. <laughs> but let me ask you this. Let me wrap it up with this. Sure. You're five years old. Your dad tells you you're going to go pro. You go through these ups and downs and highs and lows and ebb and flows of life. You go That's through right. USC. You start to discover yourself. You find your wife. You start to see that life is merely perception. Hmm. So let me ask you this. I want you to take a second when you think about your answer because this is important. So when did you go pro? I still haven't got there yet. I'm still working on it. Yeah, it's um, it's an ever evolving and relentless pursuit of progress. So, the closest I got was when I said I do. Hmm. When I cut my baby's umbilical cord and became a father. I think those are the closest moments 
but I'm not there yet. So there's more work to be done. Mm. I love that answer. This whole podcast, man, you shared so much vulnerability, so much real, potent nuggets that people get to see not just what it takes to operate at a high level, but what it takes to be unapologetically you and the power and freedom that comes into tapping into that unapologetically you version of yourself. Hmm. And I, I believe, and I, I, have, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I believe you, God is continuing to use you in a lot of different ways. I know that he's using you right now to impact me in my life and my family. I know that you're doing some great things out there in the real estate world. I feel like you are strategic, strategically placed to make an impact because you are just that type of person. You're like a, a light and energy when you speak. And when like I've heard you know, some of these things before because we've talked about it yet. I'm just like listening to every word to every inflection in your voice because you just present it so so beautifully and i know that this is a skill and a talent that's god that god is going to continue to use to Thank glorify you. his kingdom and use you and your family to do great things i receive that i receive that with my whole heart and in, in jesus's name i receive that and if i can just one express my gratitude for you sharing that that's a Beautiful sentiment. Thank you. I, I do have to say that in, in everything in life, there is no alone. There is no all by yourself because none of us have reached any level of accomplishment alone. It's impossible as a human. What makes us human is the fact that we all need one another. Unlike animals, Certain animals are abandoned from the moment they're born. They're brought into this earth, they're on their own and they thrive. But with humans, we need nurturing. We need protection. We need some level of shelter and sustenance and nourishment. We need the support of one another, whether it's parents, siblings, fosters someone has to show an abundance of love into us so there has never been a single human that could say i've always been alone this isn't true and unfortunately the ones that were forced to be alone prayerfully they've ascended to be with our father in the kingdom of heaven now here's what i'll say about you jello there has never been a time since i've met you that I didn't feel like you weren't always right with me. Your spirit, your inviting, warm, nurturing spirit, that is non-judgmental. You have this amazing propensity and power to love people and meet them where they are. That is a gift. And I have not always felt accepted. I have not always felt welcomed. I have not always felt appreciated. That has never been the case with you. I've always felt loved by you. And from one man to another man, I love you. 
because I know that you love me and I love the person that you are. I love your heart for people and I love your heart for Christ. And I tell you what, our new world will be built on the shoulders of strong men like you. So keep it up. You are a real version of Samson, Hercules for me. And I cherish you for that, man. Thank you for being a real dude. Because you all know that's listening to this, there ain't enough real ones. There just ain't enough. I strive to be more like you, Jello. Man, that, uh, I love you too, brother, for real. That's real. I that's feel real. it, and I know it. That's real. Um, and thank you so much for the, your kind words. At the end of the day, man, no matter what we're chasing in life or no matter what goal we have coming up, the end goal is always just to serve a greater purpose. For you and I, it's to serve God and, and, and make the most of this opportunity that we have here on earth. Yeah. You know, we, we, do, we do it in our different entrepreneurial ventures. Yes. We, you, you had the opportunity to touch people's lives in the athletic world. And it's just this continuing evolution of who we are. Who we are is always changing, but whose we are will never change. Ooh, that's strong. And that's what we have to continue to remember. There's so much craziness and there's so much dysfunction in the world right now. We need people to lead. And sometimes when you lead, you don't always know where you're going to go, but you're going to go somewhere. Right. And, and man, I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show, sharing your story, sharing so much wisdom. This is going to be probably one of the most difficult, like, highlight videos to try to put together because <laughs> you just shared so much fire here, brother. But... I want to give people a chance to follow you. Oh, so awesome. how, how, how do how do how do how do the the followers and the listeners of the People's Coach podcast get a hold of Mr. John Walker? Oh man, I'm pretty I'm pretty boring now outside of my uh, my <laughs> my kind of athletic retirement. But what I will say <laughs> is, if you ever want to connect and fellowship in any way, I primarily function on instagram i gotta get better at facebook but on facebook it's just john walker you'll find it eventually <laughs> it's probably a million of us right yeah right um and on instagram my name is john walker pro j-o-h-n-w-a-l-k-e-r-p-r-o and hopefully after listening to this you know what the pro stands for mm. um and I do respond to my DMs if they're if they are appropriate and professional. If not, you gonna get that good. Block delete. <laughs> X Factor, baby. Yeah, no <laughs> negative. I hit you with the full court press. Ah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Jay, thank you, brother. Thank thank you so much for being on the show and again sharing your wisdom. I'm excited to have you on for a follow up, maybe. Part two, three, four, five, ten. I don't know, whatever, man. Let's go. You know, we do our thing, man. You just keep shining your light. Make sure you guys follow Mr. John Walker Pro because this man just 
again, you, you've, you've heard about an hour of him speak. And outside of the jokes and how much fun we have together, this man is just a light in this world. So make sure you follow him, connect with him. He's doing a lot of great things in the California real estate world. So make sure you guys stay tuned. So thank you guys, uh, and we will see you guys next week. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I hope that you enjoyed the show. Make sure you follow me at AngeloLilock.com. That's A-N-G-E-L-O-L-I-L-O-C. You'll receive our weekly newsletters, any updates, any events, giveaways, all that kind of stuff every week straight to your inbox. All right, we want to make sure that it's easy and convenient for you. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you.